Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Tottenham Hotspur. Now, here are your hosts. I'm not going to lie, I'm probably sticking with this for a little while. Hello everybody, welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, I am Sam. Joining me, it's not Matt, he's still on his family holiday. Step in, Stefan has even stepped off. It's my old, old, old partner in crime from the Spurs News, it's Dan. No, Sam, how's it going? I'm good mate, how are you? I'm alright, you've um, gone to the bottom of the barrel here, haven't you today? No, no, that's Laura. You're um you're just one step up. Yeah, that, I like saying stuff like that because I know when she's listened because I get a message. <laughs> uh, just, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy to be coming on the back of uh, the back of a win as well. Oh, it's, tell um, me about it. Last season couldn't really buy a win, so it was no. well, by, by a by a performance, I think was more the kind of. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think I basically could have recorded me saying, oh, maybe if we just click. <laughs> that I could have repeated that for an entire season. You know, oh, we're, we're, if only it would click like it did at the back end of last season, but it just never did. So one of those like moments where you get the narrator's voice. Sam hoped this would happen. It didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking back on our predictions for the the final league finish as well is kind of embarrassing. Like all of us at the start of last season were like, "Yeah, peak Conte. He's had a summer building it, the players he wants. This is going to be amazing." I think well, yeah, we all sort of led into a false sense of security because we ended the season so well. prior to that yeah. so well, and Kuzevsky was on fire, yeah. and Sun was on fire, and. Everything was rosy, wasn't it? And yeah, little did we know the, no. the Conte two, two year was was up pretty much. Yeah, crazy, absolutely yeah. crazy. It expired but early, didn't it? It yeah. did, as as do all things at Tottenham. I think we leave stuff out of the fridge too much. But um, so here we are. This is the Spurs News podcast off the back of a fantastic victory over Manchester United, where we won two nil. It was the first home game of the season at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um. It was electric. Uh, did you watch the game? I, I did, yeah. Yeah, of course. What did you think of... Well, two, two things. What did you think of the atmosphere, first of all? Uh, and then secondly, what was your just thoughts on the way we played? I think they sort of went hand in hand. Atmosphere was electric. Bit, yeah. It was. Um, performance was too. I, I say this, like... Um, I thought we were amazing. Yeah. Um... And even if we'd have drawn, even if we'd have lost, mm. I'd have still been thinking we were amazing. Yeah. It's just, it's so far removed <laughs> from the shit we had to put up with really in like, the seasons gone by. Um, and like, don't get me wrong, we, we, we're kind of a bit lucky. Um, on a different day, you know, uh, we could have conceded a couple of goals, yeah. could have had a penalty go against us. Um Maybe we're sort of a little bit lucky in the fact that it's early on in the season and maybe United aren't firing on all cylinders that they might be later on in the season. But yeah. I I think the best team won. We oh, outplayed the day, them, outfought yeah. them, um, 
played some really, really, really good stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just honestly, I've, it was it I've was got, just um, a delight to just... actually enjoy watching Tottenham play oh, football, mate. Yes, you just hit the nail on there. It really does feel good to finally enjoy it again. I think it's been a long. I think it's been longer than we all realised. I think because there was uh, the lockdown and everything with Jose's tenure, everyone just kind of accepted, oh, football's a bit crap, there's no fans. Do you know what I mean? It just kind of... Then when the fans come back, and went, no, we're still crap. This this isn't fun to watch. Uh, the other bloke we don't talk about, because I can't be asked to play that. Oh, I'll have to do it. Uh, and of course, we had Nuno. We don't talk about And then Conte, which all of us kind of got lured in on that because we were so poor. He came in and it, everyone was just kind of, well, it's going to be poor because he's got to stabilise, he's got to sort it out. And then at the end of that season, like you said, I think certain players were on fire, which meant that we were scoring goals. And all of us thought, oh, wow, okay, his system, when it clicks, is really actually quite good. Oh, great, next season's going to be amazing. Uh, and as the narrator said, yeah, and it wasn't. Um, but I think we, I think we're going back four years, four years of watching counter attack, drab, let them have the ball, football, where all of a sudden now we're actually pressing from the front, trying to retain possession, moving it quickly forward as well. Um, a new feature on this podcast is going to be because I have a friend who is a season ticket holder who is a season ticket behind, or, or I don't know if you seen it, or like a corporate something or another, behind the benches. And he can hear the shouts. He is that close. He can hear Ange Postacoglu. And he's promised me for every home game, he's going to send me the best bits. So I have five shouts from Ange Postacoglu during the game, which he declared as the best bits. Would you like to hear these five shouts from Ange? Yeah, absolutely. I okay, so Thought in half, half guess what some of them. So, might so be. unfortunately, I, I I'm gonna have to say to him like this is great, but I need to know the minute. <laughs> I need to know the context because out of context, all I've got is first half. So I've got two from the first half, three from the second. The first one in the first half is stop playing it back, which I think all of us is yeah okay. That's yeah, stop playing it back. Yeah, fairly straightforward. I think. I think Postacoglu said afterwards, first half the team were a bit nervous. Yeah. They were like a it's a young team playing against Man United. Yeah. Um, you know, first home game of the season kind of thing. So I think they they almost felt too nervous to try and play the way they're supposed to be playing, if that like yeah, they were going sure. back into their shells. Um the second one, which is my, my personal favourite, you fucking do what I fucking told you to fucking do. Don't know who it was aimed at, but that was what he shouted. I think that's very Aussie. I think that's very, uh, very passionate. Um, in the second half, we have another one which is look up, play the fucking ball. I like that one. That one's short. Yep, to short. the point. Yep, I think that's fair. Um, you're fucking joking. I only just brought you on. I think all of us can look around and think. I wonder who that is. I think it's Hoybier. Because <laughs> he came on and gave the ball away straight away. 
and he he did do he did pass backwards quite a yeah, few times. Yeah. Well, I just, but like, I mean, Mick don't no, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I just that's just purely purely it just kind of fitted in with my my own personal agenda, I guess. Um, uh, well, I know uh, I know like Andrew's basically said like we don't stop. Yeah. Like from minute <laughs> one to minute ninety five right. or whatever. The Mate, minute, just before you like, finish point. your thought, the fifth one is. We don't fucking stop. Get up. We don't fucking stop. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. Well, this is it. Um, and yeah, there's, there's, there's players that are going to fit into that. And yeah. generally, it is going to be uh, a younger team. It has yeah. to be. You think about the, the good times under, well, we sort of still talk about Pochettino. Um, but yeah, the early days, it was the, the it Chelsea was manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super young team, loads of energy, high press, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it struck me that against United, we had a pretty young team, as young as recent history goes by. We must be going back for like five, six years, I guess. Yeah, in the starting 11, we had one player in his 30s, that was Sonny, who's probably going to be one of the fittest 30-odd-year-old ever anyway. Um, and then you've got... Uh, um, Basuma, I think, is twenty three. Um, but the the two that kind of stood out to me, and they're both twenty, is Sar and Udogi. And those two are twenty year olds, and I'm watching them in the Premier League. Like, you guys look like you've done this for thirty years. <laughs> you look like veterans. This is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Sar made Mason Mount look awful. Uh, he's not a Those... player I think's wonderful anyway, but he made him look awful. So if you think um, it's, it's actually interesting, this. So uh, I have a friend who's a United fan. I've yeah. not sort of disowned him just yet. Good. Um, need to rub it in a little bit first. Smart. Um, their midfield: Casemiro, Mason Mount, Bruno Fernandez. Uh, first game of the season when he saw our Spurs team against Brentford, he just put, he messaged me, put basically, what the hell is that team? Like, um, very disparaging. <laughs> yep. You know, karma come, sort of comes around, bites him in the ass. Beautiful, but, yeah. um, Bissouma, Saar, and uh, obviously Madison, yeah. they, they absolutely outplayed United. Oh, the game yeah. was won and lost in midfield. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Basuma's was it two games, two man of the match yeah. performances. Yeah, he. Um, I, I said this on the podcast, and I mean it. He is the player I thought Undombelli was when we signed him. He mm. is the Dembele replacement for Tottenham. Um, and I, I, me and you talk about this all the time. Oh, he's the new whoever. He's the new whoever. It's a real lazy thing, but it's actually quite a helpful thing sometimes when you've got kind of like a frame of reference in your mind for somebody who was very good in a certain position to say, Oh, he reminds me of. And the reason why he does it is because you can tell the defenders feel confident giving him the ball and he loves to receive it back to the, and turns and takes the ball forward. He is very hard to dispossess. He loves to go into space. Um, and, you can see the difference with Romero, Van de Ven. You know, okay, give it to him. You know, I'm under a bit of pressure, but Basuma's there. Whew, relax. Um, I remember reading an article or an interview with Jan Vertonghen a while back, 
and they were talking about you know the best players, and you know every Tottenham player of that era said the best player is Dembele, like that. Yeah. Vertonghen yeah. said, as a defender, he was a godsend. He said, I was looking to play the ball, get it away from me. He would always be there, and he would take the ball. It was his responsibility. He'd take it and go. He said, and it was just constant. He said, so me. He said, me and Toby. We got, you know, a bit of a reputation being great central defenders, you know, really good ball playing defenders. And in reality, we just gave it a gave it a moose. <laughs> just like you go, mate. <laughs> um, so it's amazing the perception it can have. And also we as a fan base are like our defence is crap. We desperately need to sign players left, right and centre to improve our defence. Uh, I think me and you have discussed this a little bit, which is Definitely, definitely need to change personnel because the, those that are there have gone stale. But sometimes a system change, tactical change, can make a massive difference. And players you've seen look lost and look sort of, oh, what are they doing that for? What the hell? That you know, all of a sudden look revived. That's why, like, when a player changes clubs, suddenly they look good, or a new manager comes in, people sort of change around. And in this system that Ange wants to play, we're going to be on the ball more. We're not going to be playing this, just sit back, play deep. Which means the defenders, hopefully, <laughs> aren't going to be facing 40 to 50 waves of attacks every game. And and all of a sudden, you know, that should hopefully improve us defensively if we're pressing from the front rather than just... All right, 10 men behind the ball, see what they can do. Oh, good. They were really good. They scored. Oh, well, all right, we'll try it again then. You know, it was mm. mental. And someone on Twitter said, um, we drew 2-2 in the opening game away at Brentford. And they were like, you know, defence this, defence that. And someone pointed out, last season, we were conceding that many goals and some, but playing defensively, playing shite and awful. If we can see two goals this season, I'm confident we're going to get two as well. Or at least I'm confident we're going to die trying. Um, so, you know, at least we're having a bloody go. And, and that kind of sums up how I feel. Um, I think um, yeah. under the end of the Pochettino era, yeah. it felt like we had possession for the sake of possession. Whereas now it feels like uh, like you've seen it and yeah. heard it. Your friend's obviously giving you... Uh, Little yeah. clips there. Yeah. Uh, he wants the ball forward. He wants. He wants purpose on the ball. He wants. Yeah. He wants every time we've got the ball to end up with a shot. Basically. Yeah. 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 That's um, cool. And yeah, like it might be 70 percent possession, but it might end up being like thirty shots again. Yeah. And like, how many times last season was no, it like none. it took until like the eighty-first minute for Spurs to have a shot on target? In in the preseason um, game against West Ham, although we lost. We had more shots on goal in that game than we'd had in the last ten games under Conte. Yeah, and I know it's, it's preseason to season it, games, but still, just the intense there. Yeah, it's, it's mad. It's, it's believable. Um, <laughs> it's just go go back to like the Basuma thing though as well. Like um, you say, certain players, certain systems, mm. but also cert- certain managers and. Um, and just like quite clearly come in day one, put an arm around him yeah. and said, you're going to be like the key player. And yeah. uh, I know like um, you probably mentioned it before and stuff because it was a few weeks back, but um, 
So Saar, for instance, mm-hmm. he's like called Basuma's big brother. Yeah. yeah. Um, like he's taken on this like added responsibility in the team. He knows like he's going to be the main man this season. Yeah. He's going to play every game if he's fit. Yeah. And um, yeah, players are looking up to him. He's obviously like taken like a bit of a burden of responsibility within the team. Yeah. I think he's like one of the older guys, really, isn't he? He's like Which is 26, kind of crazy. 27. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, like with that, I think if he stays fit this season, which is probably the big one because he had a few injuries last year, yeah. um, I think he's a shoe in for sort of player of the year already if he stays fit. If he stay, I mean, it's, it's a major thing because in that particular position, it's difficult to play a full season. One of the reasons you're a big fan of Hoybier, for example, is he does do that. The guy's a bit of a machine in that regard. Um, having watched Basuma under Ange, do you see where I'm coming from from the point of view I think Hoybier just doesn't fit the way Ange wants to play? Um, or are you still of the opinion he's he's a good player for us for this season? I feel like... Uh... Yeah, I think he's still a good player for Spurs this season, for sure. Okay. Um, I think passing, he he actually gets more goals and assists than you you probably give him credit for. Um, but yeah, it's just a different way of thinking. You said before, different system. I think I think he's is like, I wouldn't say um, there's certain players. I know you're a big fan of Carl Walker for this. Certain players you don't assume have a football in Britain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think Hoybier is one that could tactically adapt and things. And okay. um, I just think it, it's mostly with his contract situation and whatnot. And yeah. uh, it, without, um, you know, having any knowledge in the area, I think maybe if somebody like Atletico Madrid's after him, then maybe his head's been turned a little bit yeah, and he fancies yeah. a different challenge and Spurs want the money that they could get probably 30 mil for, for him. Um, yeah, well, you'd think, but Atletico are only offering 15, um, which is why it ain't happening. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's the that's the kind of issue we have when trying to sell abroad the Premier League riches versus, versus other European leagues. Um so just focusing on that game then, I mean, I I was delighted um, from the way we played. Uh, I thought the fans created an incredible atmosphere. The welcome to end 17 TIFO was brilliant. Um, I could hear every chant, you know, it felt like every fan was completely invested. But I think the point you were going to make earlier on is it is very linked. Like that initial atmosphere could have died very, very quickly if the football had been crap. Um, and the first half, although the first half, like Anne said, and like you said, it was a little bit tentative at times and they looked a little bit nervous, I did still feel like they were trying. You know, Man United had a few chances, but then we had a few chances. It felt kind of even. But the second half for me, uh, I thought we just bossed it. Dominated, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah just absolutely yeah. bossed it. Um, I was delighted and then gutted for Ben Davies. Um, delighted I like gentle Ben. Um, but then, of course, he's gone down as an own goal. He really didn't make good contact, though, did he? <laughs> I was going to say, like, let's <laughs> let's be honest. It uh, would have been nice for it, him, but it, yeah. If that didn't go in, people would have gone mental, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, awful yeah. contact. He's not a striker, but, no. you know. Um, you can still kick a ball, Ben. Come on. Go on, Ben. Um, 
It's interesting that um, Ange prefers him over Regulon. Um, I, I, I tell you, I say why it's interesting is because when you think about Regulon attack-minded fullback, you'd think that he would naturally fit Ange more, and yet from everything I've seen, everything I've heard over the course of working with the players, Ben has adapted much better, and Regulon's looking to leave. I think Regulon as a whole's a strange one because when he came in. And it was under Jose, wasn't it, at the yeah. time? I actually thought it was like one of our best signings that season. Yeah, me too. Um, and like first year in the Premier League, couldn't really ask much more of him. He did a, a good job kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then like the season after or whatever, I remember uh, it was like a Sky Sports. It was like Jerry Redknapp defending like Spurs. And he was like, he was like almost <laughs> he was fighting with Roy Keane. Mm. He was almost crying, but as part of his argument was how good a player Regulon was, mm. and he he'd get into like some of the top teams in the Premier League. Yeah, and then just nothing, like a couple of injuries or whatever, loaned out last season. That came to nothing. Yeah, it just I I think like the most recent teams we've seen linked with him, like. Yeah. Couple of years gone by, they were talking about Real Madrid wanting him again, and Barcelona wanting him, and obviously he went on loan to Atletico. Now they're talking like Real Sociedad. Yeah. Um, you know how many Spurs managers now have looked at him and said, "Not for me," basically, like not good enough, well, uh, too weak, not defensively yeah. good enough, not attacking good enough. In the case of Conte, like it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because. We as fans can have a perception based on the limited game time we see. I think when a coach and successive coaches, regardless of your opinion of them, but successive coaches train with this person day in, day out, there's a reason if they're not, you know, being in the picture or want to leave. It's got to be, you know, whether it's their attitude around training, whether it's they, you know, just don't do certain things. I mean, the other one that I'm kind of... Uh, I'm, a little bit sad about is Jed Spence. Um, I really wanted us to sign him. I felt he was one of the best players in the championship that season. Um, when uh, Forrest came up, uh, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he'd be a perfect fit for Conte. Conte looked at him, didn't rate him. He went out on loan, uh, had some incredible performances on loan. And then on the flip side, some really not good uh, and all the word was that this was the main thing. The kid couldn't maintain any form of consistency. You know, one game, and this is genuine, in one game he absolutely dealt with Mbappe in France. Like, absolutely wrapped him up, and everyone was like, oh, wow. Okay. And then the next game he got subbed after, like, 40 minutes because he was just getting pulled apart by someone else. It's like he can motivate himself to play Mbappe, but not, you know, regular Joe. Um, and this seemed to be the criticism, which is why the club was kind of like, look, go on loan, you need to find your consistency, this is the critique of you, you need to improve. Well, by all accounts, Andrew's had him there and just wants him gone. Like, not even, like, go on loan. He's just like, no, get get rid of this kid, has no future here. It's, it's got to be a work ethic thing, surely. Because, like, from my point of view, from watching the kid play, he'd, he'd suit this system down to the ground. So, uh, well, twofold. Um, Conte, in my opinion, 
um it was like a, a power play basically with yeah, and we, yeah we're seeing it we're seeing it with transfers gone by with different managers um Pochettino did it with some of the um French players that we signed yeah. sort of uncudus yeah. and g's and things like that um just basically refused to play him if they're not the player that he wanted yeah. um Jose was obviously a master at that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, in this case, Conte said from day one, he was a club signing. He, literally from day yeah, one. Yeah. Even, I think it was even before Jed actually yeah. signed for us. Yeah, 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 he went, right. this is the sort of player that the club want and you know that's the sort of player that the club's going to get. Yeah. He never from day one said he was going to play him. No. Um, no he said it's one for the future for, for Tottenham, uh, not for now. Yeah, which, well, which I, you know, as as a quote goes, I don't mind that if you're signing the player on the basis of, look, we're signing you and we're loaning you back to the championship. We want you to get another year in your legs in the championship and then reassert. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that That don't bother me. That, that's that's kind of smart business squad planning. Look at Udogi. That guy we signed and left him on loan. All of us were like, oh, he looks quite good, but none of us based on our experience of transfers, assumed he was going to come in this season and hit the ground running like he has. All of us were kind of like, oh, you know, he looks good over there, but you know how this goes. I've got to say this, right? And this kind of goes against my grain a little bit. The more the Paratici signings get game time, the more I realise that guy did a very good job for us. If you think about it, you know, all of these players... I was going to say, sell it to me, because on the face of it, I'm like, didn't he just come, there was a massive, like, legal cloud over his head, yeah. and then he went, he basically got kicked out, and then Look, I, dragged I, Spurs down a little I, bit with I him. absolutely think what the club did, knowing what he was going through, was stupid. It was moronic. The, what I'm just going to talk about now is a little micro, micro thing, which is... I someone sent me the list of the players he signed for us. There isn't a miss on there. The ones that were classed as miss, um, Sar, who I think all of us can now say, oh, actually, yeah, that's pretty good. And currently, the one that I think everyone would be looking at going mm, is Richarlison. I thought you were going to say Pedro Porro. To be honest with you, Pedro Porro wasn't him. Pedro Porro was uh, Conte pick that Daniel Levy personally went and did. Paratici was involved probably from the point of view of him, but the players that he personally went for and got, Saar, Udogi, um, he also, even this season, as a consultant, helped us with our goalkeeper, Vicario. Um, yeah. I, I have very, very sort of strong emotions about the club employing someone they knew was guilty of what he was guilty of. Um, well, I have got to say the players that came in by and large have done very well. Um, and if Richarlison clicks and scores 20 plus goals this season, which we all hope he does, all of a sudden everyone's going to look at that and go, okay, yeah, you actually did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, you're a crook. <laughs> but but you did a pretty good job. Um so that aside, uh one thing I need to mention from the Manchester United game is I talked about the fans and the atmosphere inside the ground, it was incredible. 
Um, I want to also mention that outside the ground, uh, various protests, uh, the Levy Enoch out protests continue, uh, but separate to that is the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust uh, protest on ticket prices. Um, it went ahead, um, various points during there was 300, 400, 500 people gathered around. Um, they sort of did the protest over an hour so people could come, get involved, move on. And then new people had sort of come along, so difficult to kind of nail down a number. You sort of got estimates from various press, I guess, from what time they were there. Um, some of the pictures, it's kind of funny because you can take pictures of stuff like this and it looks like there's like 20 people there. But then if you turn a camera around, there's like a whole road of people all sort of a part of it. So depending on your point of view and the narrative you're trying to push... You can make these protests look quite busy or look quite, you know, drab. But um, from people who were there, uh, fans of the podcast have messaged in who were there. First of all, no one got me a badge, so I'm a little pissed about that. Uh, but secondly, I uh, just want to say a massive well done to all the people who organised it. Uh, my understanding is they're now reaching out to the club to once again give them the opportunity to change their mind, to engage on pricing. Um if obviously the club don't do that, then further steps will happen. Um, but yeah, they 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 well, they've still got my full support. Anyway, good luck to them for all of us. I don't. I will say, and I don't know what your opinion is on this, Dan, but I do find it kind of funny when people are arguing on behalf of the club over ticket prices. Like I, I genuinely thought to myself that this was an issue that all of us could agree on. And yet, when I put this out there across our social media and stuff, people genuinely were like, oh, I don't see the problem, what you're protesting for, the price, you know, the price is the price, the prices go up. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, this is football, this is football fandom, and we're trying to make it so everyone can afford to go, everyone, you know, is accessible to the fans, fans aren't priced out. I, I just genuinely never thought I'd see a day where people are, arguing on behalf of a billion pound business against people who are, you know, the working class just trying to afford to go watch a football match. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, Sam, I'm from Yorkshire yep. um, and therefore I'm a tight Yorkshireman. It sure. sort of goes with the territory. Um, but I go down to London maybe twice a month now for work yep. and I do try and get Spurs tickets when I can the price is fucking ridiculous. It is. It is absolutely extortionate. Yeah. Like, um, and if you are like traveling into London, I know yeah. uh, last week Stefan said it on the pod. Yeah. Um, obviously his commute's a lot less, yeah. but it still racks up. Oh, massively, um, yeah. If you're a sport like me, you're traveling down from like say Yorkshire or whatever, it'll cost you a couple hundred quid train. Then you got to get from like King's Cross all the way to the stadium and all yeah. the way back, and then the ticket's going to cost you sort of eighty, ninety quid on top of that. Yeah, it's it's mental. No, no, you're absolutely uh, right. I mean, I, I looked at it from because uh, Anthulo came on from the trust, said to me, you know, and gave all these examples, and I was thinking, okay, if I want to take my daughter to go and watch. And I, and I just thought, right, you know what, I'm going to do this. It's a little bit of an exercise for me. It's not something I thought about for quite a while because of my health. But let me just let me just do this math. And I worked out from travel, you know, food, <laughs> food, drink, everything, ticket prices for a Category C game as well. So not one of the top tier games. 
for me and her to go and watch Tottenham for a day, I'm just under 500 quid. That's, that's, that's insane. It's impossible for me to go. To take to take my kid, mm. uh, you know, it just, I, and I don't understand how people are arguing this. I'm like, the the argument is, well, if we can't afford to go, don't go. It's like, well, yeah, okay, fine, but surely, <laughs> surely we want this to be accessible, you know, not just uh, uh, with the greatest respect, you know. Like I said, me on my own, like a ticket by myself. If I'm in London, like you said, I'm there for work anyway, or whatever then yeah, I can afford that. I'm someone who's earning enough that I can afford that, and I can go. Plenty of people can. But do you want a stadium full of guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s, because they can afford it? What happens when we're gone? Who's in the stadium then? And this is the point I tried to make to a few people, and they're like, oh, they'll still sell out. Look, the games are selling out. I'm like, you're really you're really yeah. not getting this. <laughs> so I gave up. This isn't supposed to uh, uh, sound sort of controversial or anything, but um, like, say, for instance, when I went to America, mm. I'm quite happy to buy a ticket for like a, a spot that I don't even follow. Oh, yes, if, the experience. Like, either yeah. you want to see the atmosphere, that type of thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Spurs going more and more is, um, yeah, you get a stadium yeah. like they have got and, you know, uh, you might not even be a fan of football or anything. You might just fancy uh, seeing what the stadium, seeing a Premier League match or whatever. And, you know, well, you're I, quite happy to spend 100 quid. I can, a, I can a, tell you a, now, afternoon. I can tell you now, and, and lots of people who go to the stadium on a regular basis are probably go, oh, wow, that explains a lot. South Korean tourism to London mm. can include tickets to watch Tottenham and they sell out every year. So we get thousands, tens of thousands of Koreans coming to the UK, tourists, to London every month. And tourists of them will go and watch Tottenham games for Sonny. Because, I mean, he's, he's an icon in that country. So mm-hmm. they, it, it is part, and it is offered. You know, it's very smart what they've done. Don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking it, and I don't knock the Korean fans one bit either. You know, I love love them. Come along, spend your money. <laughs> Be at our club. But my point is, to add on to you, if we don't have kids coming with their father, with, you know, with their friends, their family, the mums, everybody coming along, you don't build that next generation of fans. And that's the thing the Trust are trying to get across to people, which is, Look, yeah, this we might be able to afford this now, and yes, prices have gone up, gone up in the past. But we're trying to say no. We need to draw a line here. We need to talk to the club about this, because, and it's not just us as well. It's happening with every Premier League team. Their their trust, their fans are going. Wait a minute, this has gone too far. And you you know, you compare it to the Bundesliga. You know, everyone's favourite league nowadays, the Harry Kane League, as my daughter calls it. Um. It is a fraction. Like a season ticket for a Bundesliga club is the same as a ticket for a Category A game for Tottenham for a one-off game. And the chairman of those clubs all say it. The main reason is because it doesn't impact us. Fans through the turnstiles, ticket prices, is a fraction of our income from the sport. So we don't need to fleece our fans. As the Trust have pointed out, it's a fraction of a fraction. The increase they've made is a point something to the income for the club for the season. 
It's nothing. It, it's it not... works out about two two mil, doesn't it? Two three yeah. mil, something yeah. like that. Um, and I think what they worked out was this increase over the ticket price revenue and all the revenue from match day income. It's like naught point something for the income for over the, over the course of the season. So they don't need it. <laughs> it's not. It's not like the club have gone. Whew, okay, everyone, we're near bankruptcy here. We need everyone to really chip in. We're putting prices up, but you know it's essential for us to sign the players to do this, to do this, to do this. And everyone would go, oh, bloody hell, it's gone up, but okay. They don't need it. And that's the thing I think is drawn the line for the trust. And I think it should draw the line for everybody. Because it should be the point of, we are going through the cost of living crisis, everything like people are struggling with their monthly bills. Football's supposed to be a release. It's supposed to be, you know, entertainment. Go along, get, you know, escape everything. And Foster Cogley sums up brilliantly himself. The responsibility they have is for people to go into that stadium and forget all the crap they're dealing with. Forget everything and walk out feeling happy. You know, walk away from it like, oh, that was that was good. That was, you know, I needed that. That was what I needed. And it is a responsibility that I think the owners of the club have forgotten. So I'm very much of the mind that at the moment I am supporting the team, not the regime. And that, you know, yeah. that's, that's I, how I, I feel. Well, I think that's a nice way to summarise it. But um, just on Postacoglu, at the end of the United match, did you see he went onto the pitch afterwards? Yeah. yeah. And he just almost seems to soak it all in. You know? Yeah. Um, this is by far the biggest club he's ever managed. Yeah. You know, the stadium, everything, first game, win against Man United, the team he, he, he managed against 23 years ago when he was... Melbourne FC manager or whatever it yep. was, um, you could just see like this sort of uh, yeah, it, it just sort of hit him. Um, but how good is it to have like a manager that actually wants to be oh, no. manager of Spurs and oh, no. it, and like cares about it kind of thing? And, yeah, um, actually thinks of yeah. this as a pinnacle of his career. That was my chair going. A pinnacle of his career, not a step down. Yeah, it's, it's massive. Um, okay, so we put the call out like we always do for people for questions and topics, and we got slammed this week, which is a true sign that Tottenham are back playing good football. So let's head over to do that now. Now it's time for your comments from our social media. Okay, mate, I get to ask you, would you like to start with Instagram or Facebook? Facebook. Facebook. Dun, dun, dun. Head into the old book of face. We have, kicking us off, uh, Canadian Sean. Uh, Canadian Sean says, well, hello. A beautiful week for Spurs fans, in it? Uh, this week we saw Saar, Basuma, a new doggy, and other recent signings really impressing. Do you think these players can keep this quality throughout the season? We've had some good runs starting previous seasons before, and then we've completely dwindled off. So my question is, can I start getting my hopes up, or do I need to be a little bit more realistic? Dan, what do you think? Uh, good question. Uh, realism, absolutely. Uh, there's going to be highs and lows, and everybody should be expecting that. Yeah. Um, so going back to what I said earlier about the United game, even if we'd have lost that, the fact that we're playing good football, 
young team, it's exciting, you can enjoy it sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, long may it continue. If at the end of the season we're anywhere near sort of top four, like even better. Um, but if you can just actually tune in or like go to the game and enjoy what you've seen and go home with a smile on your face, then, then great. Um, yeah. Young players, their form sort of is a bit more fleeting than, you know, maybe experienced pros and things. And yeah. it can, you know, very much uh, vary from, you know, pretty poor to amazing the next week. So, yeah, um, roller coaster, but, yeah. you know, enjoy it whilst, uh, whilst the good times are here. No, I agree with that. That sounds fair. Um, sorry, just dropped my microphone then. Apologies for the noise in anyone's ear. Um, Barry Fowles says, What's happened to Troy Parrott? I thought he was back from injury, but is not around the senior squad. He looked good when I saw him on loan at the MK Dons. Uh, I'll take that one. Um, Troy is still at the club. Uh, he's still under contract. Uh, talks are sort of ongoing at the moment of whether we trigger the extension and see another loan or what's going to happen. It doesn't appear he's at a point where he's going to be involved in the first team squad. Me personally, and it's just my opinion, I think we may well see him transferred permanently, not not another loan. Um, it's no slight on him. I think that other forwards at the club have really, really stepped up. Uh, Dane Scarlett being one. Um, and I think perhaps it's just unfortunately not worked out the way we all wanted it to. Uh, but yeah, that's that one. Uh, Malumba Kelvin says, with our young squad, what measures are we putting in place to make sure we don't suffocate under the pressure? That's kind of funny. It sort of ties in with the other question and what you were saying. Um, I don't know what measures. They all get ice cream and jelly. When they do well, I, I don't know. I think like volume of games and things yeah. is typically one thing for young players and uh, managing that and make sure that they don't get burnout and whatever. Yeah. But let's be honest, with the lack of European football, there isn't going to be, uh, and it's going to be sort of one game a week pretty much. Yeah, um, you'd think. I mean, I'm hoping we do well in the Cups for obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think there will be some rotation, though. Um, I think also sorry. just to add to that, yeah, there is a ba- a balance in the team. It's it's not one that we used to see, but there are still some older figureheads at the club. Yeah. Um, whether they're still around can be the transfer <laughs> window. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Michael Joseph says, "How close are we to getting rid of Undon Ballet? We're not." <laughs> so there we go. That was really simple. Uh, don't get me started on it. It makes me cry. Ryan Miller says, Poro and Emerson seem to be providing very good competition in the right-back position. Is there any position you feel we need to strengthen to provide competition besides striker? I'll put that to you. What do you think? So, Poro and Emerson, first and foremost, were you surprised that Poro started against Man United? I wasn't surprised purely because of his pace. Um, he is a lick quicker than Emerson, and Emerson against Brentford got done several times. And I think up against Rashford, I think it made sense. Um, that was the only thing. And then they played Rashford through the middle, which I think surprised everybody. Uh, as for um, 
the the two of them in competition. No, no, I, I see this to me goes back to like Carl Walker, uh, Trippier kind of thing. I think mm. these are two players that are going to drive each other. Um, you know, one plays well, the other one's going to be like, oh, okay, all right, I see what you did there. Let's let's go let's go again. Um, and that appears to be the atmosphere that's being created, and long may it continue. With the greatest respect as well, I think they both need it because neither have really set the world on fire when they both signed. No. Um, and I think, maybe it's early days, but I think they're both improving. Um, yeah. So competition is great. Yeah. Um, where else could we do with some competition? I think I'll say the obvious answer and, and defend centre-back. Yeah. Um, we need more depth. Um, so it's pretty simple there. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Uh, is there any more news on outgoings? No, uh, to be honest with you, everyone that was close is now stalled. I think we're going to see a lot of movement very close to the end of the window. I think clubs are doing to us what Daniel Levy's done to all of them, which is wait to the very end. Everybody knows we need to sell. Everybody knows who's surplus. So everybody who's interested is just waiting until we have to do a fire sale, hoping we do a fire sale. Um, we could have a very competitive, overaged under twenty one squad this season. Um, Christy Windit says, discuss the tifo, the atmosphere, the drummer, and the music before kickoff. Um, we've kind of you've covered that, haven't you? Yeah, I was going to say we've kind of already touched on it. Um, but it was amazing, and I thought the tifo was incredible. I think one thing I will point out for people who don't know that was purely fan led wasn't the club. That was crowdfunded by supporters via Twitter and an account that was set up with the goal of creating the atmosphere. Um, it's several accounts working together in conjunction to try and generate as much noise from the South Stand and, and the stadium as possible. And I think it really worked. Um, if we can keep that level of energy for every home game, no team's going to want to come to our stadium. Um Stefan Cruz Alvarez, um, Stefan Stefan, has put a question. Have we just unearthed an absolute gem in SAR? Also, just how wrong could Conte be about Basuma? Dan? Uh, so the SAR, what, I, 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 we sort of, um, we sort of breezed over at the United game in SAR's goal, but yeah. I thought that was incredibly well taken. It was. Well. Um, but he was, he was just, uh, he was just brilliant. Yeah. He really was. He was, and it is like extremely unfortunate last season when he got drafted into the AC Milan game. Yeah, he was great. I completely feared the worst with him and skipping sort of midfield. Um, but they both did pretty well. And then you pretty much, what was it? The Newcastle match he started was the only other game he started that season. Yeah. I think, and he got dragged off, and that that was that was pretty much his his season really. Um, wasn't given a fair crack of the whip. No preseason, and just come in again. He's he's given all the young players a bit of a chance, aside from Jed Spence, and uh, yeah, he's he's taken it with both hands. And I think I don't I don't know. I guess in my opinion, I thought he was going to be more defensive than he is yeah um but they're, they're clearly playing him sort of in that 
would you call it an eight role, I guess? Yeah, you know, um, you know the so, my pet hate of dubbing a young player the next so and so. Sure. The next Yaya Toure. I mean, that's a big call. Is that <laughs> just one that you you you've just come up with, or is that oh, one that he won? People? He won Young African Player of the Year, and the one thing I will say about football from that continent is they create and there are some incredible footballers out of Africa I mean incredible and Yaya Chore, one of them in a midfield role box to box I, I genuinely used to really enjoy watching him play football he never played for us he played for some you know Man City and other clubs around Europe but every time I watched him play I thought that's that's some player what a player um, the fact that he was coaching at Tottenham was a real joy for me personally. The fact he seems to have a real love for the club now as well, which is really quite nice. Um, but yeah, it, it's a comparison made by African football journalists after he won the Young Player of the Year in 2022. So I'm not, it's not just me, it's something that everyone seems to think he is destined for that, that level, that greatness. Um, and he's 20. Yeah. I think he turns 21 in September. But that's, that's still... Uh, you think about you know, he, he was playing first-team football in France at 17, 18. Um, we loaned him. We've now He's now going to play first-team football in the Premier League at 20, 21. He's going to hit his peak around 25, 26. There's some player there. There really is. Well, just go back to parts of... I guess it, it's... Works well with part two of Stefan's question, which yeah. is uh, Bissouma. Yeah. If you if you look at the prices that centre mids or centre defensive oh, mids are now going for, so you're talking sort of 100, 115 mil. Yeah. Um, is it Lavia's like 50 something mil or whatever? It looks um, like it, yeah. Crazy money. Uh, Bissouma was a steal what was it it's between 25 and 35 mil something like that it was 25 initially if you like depending on what we do achieve getting in the champions league it could go as high as 30 no higher and yeah so how wrong was Conte? i think again what you said uh horses for courses yeah different managers will will it'll work in a different system and Conte's system or maybe him as a manager, yeah. you know, whatever. He just didn't rate him at all. Um, no. Didn't think he was up for the task. Didn't really give him a chance. And he, he stuck with people at Hoybier, which, again, you and I see don't necessarily see eye to eye no, on that. No, but, we, we have very um, different opinions on Hoybier. That's true. Yeah, I, I think in this system, um, and given the responsibility and trust and everything else, uh, couldn't, couldn't think of a better player right now. I agree. Um, final one from Facebook is from Tom Perks. Tom says, why is Davinson Sanchez in the matchday squad if we've accepted offers for him and Dyer isn't? Do you think Ange doesn't like Dyer? Oof. Um, I mean, I, I, I think so. I, I, I don't think Ange likes Dyer. If he if he did, he'd be in the squad. He'd be in the matchday squad. I think there is. I think he's posting. Element, yeah. He's posting his like uh, training videos and and pictures on social media, basically saying, 
I'm here, I'm fit. There's, there's, the only reason I'm not in the matchday squad is because the manager's not picked me. Yeah. The manager's turned around and gone, look, you can only pick so many players for a team yeah. and I'm picking a team to win. Yeah. Right between the lines. Yeah. I'm not picking him for my first team or the bench and I'm picking Davidson Sanchez who it's pretty apparent is, is on his way out anyway. So. Well, I think that the main, there's two parts to this. One, we're now playing a very high line. Sanchez does have pace, Tyre doesn't. Um, and so if you're, and I want to say as well, Sanchez came on for Romero in that first game and did very well. He's also brilliant against Barcelona in preseason. So I think there's definite, you know, Dyer was given opportunities in preseason. He had the chance. One of the things that Ange is a pet hate and is something that he doesn't tolerate is people aimlessly kicking the ball away. So if you are someone who's got the ability to pick a pass, a long raking pass, and you find your teammate nine times out of ten, okay, fine. If you're someone who thinks you can do that and you find your teammate two times out of ten, he's going to want to kill you for it because you are just kicking the ball away aimlessly. Um, in preseason, Dyer gave the ball away a lot. He does do that, unfortunately, because he likes to try and play football. I've got no issue with that, providing he's playing it simple. If he's given the ball to Basuma, Madison, give it, you know, take it off those who can play and give it to the, your teammates who can play. He needs to get back to simple, in my humble opinion. I'm a massive Real quick, fan. Sorry, well. yeah. Go on. I, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but Dyer's contract situation. Yeah. We're not privy to the information anyway, but am I right in saying that either the club stopped negotiations over a new contract with him or he turned down no so i i can i can clarify this the club and i were discussing a contract extension um the club then obviously conte gone all the manager changes and the club just stopped talks so the dire side of it were like we talk in the club were like once we get a new manager in of course you know uh, but obviously the new manager is going to get final say over everything. And just come in and those talks haven't resumed. Now, I don't necessarily think that that's done, dusted, over. I think it's a case of we have got a lot going on and a lot to focus on from the Kane departure, trying to shift a lot of players. You also got to remember that Dyer is a very professional individual and has been a member of the kind of leadership group at Tottenham for quite some time. He's a very well-liked guy, very well-spoken, very smart, very articulate. I, I like him, right, uh, genuinely. The club did a little documentary for him on Spurs play. You wouldn't be doing any of that if you, you know, if the guy was an ass. <laughs> um, or, or, you know, they didn't think he was hanging around. What has changed is when the new leadership group were announced, he wasn't part of it. And it would appear, again, this is pure rumour and speculation, but it would appear he didn't take that well. And since then, he's not made match day squads. He was involved heavily in pre-season, but since that leadership group was announced and he removed himself from, you know, Spurs official got removed from all of his social media bios and stuff. Yeah, he, he obviously threw his toys out of pram a bit, I think, reading between the lines. And that didn't sit well. What happens next, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, but yeah. 
again, he, he he'll, he's one of our more senior players, so you can imagine he probably, uh, yeah. you know, backed himself to become new uh, captain or whatever or, or, as yeah, well. Yeah, or vice captain, um, yeah. But then at the same time, he's got a year left on his contract. Yeah. The manager, in my opinion, doesn't rate him for his system, not yeah. fast enough, that type of thing. But we're in the same sort of position as you are with Kane, where if Spurs want rid of him, yeah, you know there might be a, a handful of clubs that are prepared to pay money for him. Yeah, or he could just sit on his ass for the next few. Well, my my understanding is, out. yeah, my understanding is there are clubs interested, but he doesn't want to go. He wants to stay at Tottenham. Um, he's very settled. He loves his life where he is. He, People get so nasty about Eric Dyer. He genuinely has a real affection for Tottenham. Genuinely loves being at the club. Um, he's, yeah, I, it's difficult. Hugo Lloris, another one. Identical situation. They've both got a year left on their deals. We are basically open for them to leave, but at the moment, nothing's happening. Uh, Sanchez, year left on his deal. Nothing's happening. It's, you know... If only the club had someone who was maybe in charge of these things. Uh, I think they call them directors of football, I've heard of. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. But Eric Dyer, I've got a real personal affection for, so my um my, my view on that is skewed. I, I can admit it's completely skewed. So um, I get quite upset when I see people just slating him all the time. Um, heading over to Instagram, we have a few here. Um, we have... The Island Brother, but he's changed his screen name. He's now Big Z, Big Zeb. I preferred Island Brother. I was going to say, does that mean you can't use your tune anymore? I know, I know. I've not, I've not done it. I've not played it, um, and that's one of my favourites. So, yeah, nice. it's, it's bad time. He says, "Welcome back, guys. Just caught up on the pods. Excellent as per usual. Wishing all the best to health. Thank you." Do you have any inside info on the Chelsea? I heard rumours that he feels Ange's broken promises. I read that, and from what everyone I know, that's nonsense. It's coming from Spain. <laughs> and everyone's like, no idea where that's come from. Um, and it looks like he's likely to start. Uh, he also says, is it purple and gold or gold and purple? Stay solid, guys. That's a question I don't know the answer to. But... um. Yeah, Le Chelsea, I did know that one. Uh, and everyone seems like, no, that seems like nonsense. So we've even seen him smile twice recently, and that guy doesn't smile. It's a right Marty git. But yeah, um, with Madison injured, it looks like he's probably going to get a start in the next game. So yeah, no, I, I don't see a problem there. Uh, go on to that then. Madison injury, what's the latest? Uh, it's a strain. Um, he could be fit for this weekend, but... They reckon Tottenham would be cautious. Um, bench, maybe, but more likely wait. Uh, League Cup game Tuesday, again, possibly, or if they're being cautious, they'll rest him for both. Uh, but, yeah, he'll be back next week at the, at the latest. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's nothing too bad. Uh, Rock Me Amadeus says, Do you think it's fair for YouTube fan channels to claim that Conte fans are in the mud after only two games? Why can't fans just enjoy the win, and why is it Conte's fault we finished eighth last season? Oof. I, I think um, I think it's early days. Um, similar sort of to the questions we had earlier. Um, 
obviously it's far too early to get super excited about it, yeah. but enjoy the wins. Um, and yeah, I think. Yeah, um, I'm I'm never a fan of the kind of gatekeeping of, oh, you can't enjoy it, you were a Conte fan, or you can't enjoy it, you thought Jose would be a good idea. I'm never a fan of that. Um, I would say, is it Conte's fault we finished eighth last season? Yeah, of course it was. He was in charge. We built an entire squad for his specification and his style of football. But because we, we're we not a club that can spend 100 million on a left wing back, 100 million on a right wing back, 100 million on a defender, right? We've just spent that on three players, which he will claim he needed to, to win. That was never going to happen at Tottenham. We as fans know that. But we did actually raise additional funds to make the signings that he needed. In January... Even though he was causing no end of problems behind the scenes, talking about not renewing his deal, we still went out and got him a right wing back in Poros, paid the price that everyone's like, just pay the money, and we did, we got him in. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely it was on him. I, I think Conte fans will argue that he left us in fourth place, but I don't think anybody can argue that he just... Oh, he, he, also, he, he, he Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He... Um, he left us up a creek without a paddle. That's like saying I set fire to this building, but it didn't burn down till after I left. So that ain't on me. <laughs> um, he he lit the match. He threw it in there with the petrol, and he went. Um, and then everything fell. Um, so yeah, don't get me wrong. It's not only on him. Decisions made all over the place. But to say that it wasn't on him, no, nah, I, I don't agree with that. Um. So the Johnny Stark says the final question: Do you think the squad would be better off with Sun playing nine role through the middle and Solomon or Perisic at left wing? So dropping Richie for Sun, bringing in one of the others. What do you think, mate? So number one, I'm not really buying into the anti uh, Richarlison. Nope. Like in my mind, the whole sort of should Spurs buy a new striker, this sort of thing. I think, like, we're light in that area, for sure, and we can probably buy somebody else. Um, I agree. But I'd give him the whole season. I'd literally just give him as long as he needs. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, if after, like, 10, 15 games, he still can't, like, you know, buy a goal for love and money, then something has to change and Sun could yeah. go down the middle. But... We're two games into the season and everybody's writing him off. Yeah. And it's, well, well, it's, it's funny. Mental. Yeah, you're like well, a few years gone by, Kane couldn't score a goal in August. Exactly. And, like nobody, nobody batted an eyelid. Really. No. Um, he and every, I know this will probably come back to bite me in the ass as well, but I think uh, the, he's not really getting any chances. Like he's he's working hard and he's he's doing everything that's asked of him, sort of you know pressing wise and stuff like that. Once he gets a chance in the area and like the the system's working, we're creating more. Yeah. Then I think the goals will follow. So no, I, I'm, uh, I'm with you. I, I agree. Kane scored thirty goals last season. I'm not expecting to score thirty, no. but like maybe like fifteen. No, I agree. I think the other thing as well, as Tottenham fans, for a long time, we've had Kane scoring that many goals every season. People remember before him. <laughs> when Kane came along doing that, we were all just like, oh my God, we finally got a striker who can score this many goals in a season. This is insane. 
just go back. You know, if we had a striker get 15 league goals, we were over the moon. It isn't going to get replaced. You're not going to replace that. And it's just, we as a team in the aggregate need to replace those goals. And I think we will. Um, and I think Richie's going to play a big part of that this season. Of course, I could end up looking like a right plonker at the end of it, but we shall see. I hope not. Hopefully, at the end of the season, I can be a right smug git. But, yeah, it's the risk we run. <laughs> I, I guess the reason I come at it from the angle I do is the people are linked with. None yeah. of them are proven Premier League strikers. No, of course not. None of them are guaranteed to come in and do a better job. So, no. Look, on, on, you know, you've got a a striker used to the Premier League, used to the rigours of the Premier League. Brazil's number nine. He's proven on like yeah. the biggest stages. He can score goals. He he just needs to to bed into yeah. the system. And on, I don't even think it's necessarily on him. It's it's on the team to bed him into the system. It, it, it to play to his strengths to create it, it things happen. for him. So. Um, it Everybody's is... labelling it as a problem child, Richardson. He's he hasn't fit to lace Kane's boots, kind of thing. But yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, give him, give him chances, and uh, I think he'll score some goals. So. I, I personally don't think the front three have have fired yet. I think the front three are still working it out. I think the defence is looking improved, and they're going forward well. I think the midfield is looking great. I think the the front three, Kulisevsky, Sonny included, there's work there. And I think they are working. And I think when it comes and, and it's very fluid where they're going to be swapping positions, etc., I think it I think we're going to cause a lot of teams a lot of problems. Um but yeah, it's like you said, two games. It's just two games in. Um we we all gotta be patient. I think come Christmas and we record our Christmas special we can have this chat again and maybe maybe our views will be different. But we got a lot of games to go. How are you feeling, mate? You feel like we covered everything? I'm pretty happy with how it's gone, yeah. Excellent. I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sh- uh, I think uh, Postacogu summed it up after the match last uh, on Saturday. And, yeah, he basically said that if you can... Um, if you can send the fans home happy, you know that they're going to be smiling for the rest of the week. Yeah. And what day are we on Wednesday? We're half yeah. through the week. I'm still happy. I'm Me still too. buzzing about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll meet somebody in the street with a Man United top on and I still sort of smirk to myself and say, yeah. yeah. So um, that's exactly it. It's, it's been a long time. So yeah. Um, long may long, long may continue. continue. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that is it for us this week. A massive thank you again for everybody for listening. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show and helping me out this week. I know you prefer to listen rather than rather than be a part of it, so thank you. You've been wonderful. Um, for, Very welcome. For everybody listening, uh, continue to send in your messages with your feedback. We, all, we always read it. We always appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week where I believe Matt shall return for his first show of the new season, hopefully to discuss another win. We go to Bournemouth this weekend, 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. So good luck to the team. Come on, you Spurs. Thank you for listening to the Spurs Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. All links are in the podcast description. All links are in the podcast description.